0: Danny Flexon for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined by a gory heavyweight, uh, heavyweight Nyland Bans yeah. Kennedy. How you doing?
1: Good, Danny. Thanks for the call.
0: No, no, no problem. I mean, as soon as the fight got announced, I think it captured a lot of people's imagination. You're going to be fighting Alan Babich, the Savage. Um, yeah. And I think people were a bit surprised that they're taking what seems like such a big risk
1: so early on in Babich's career. Were you surprised you got the call? Yeah, so I, I'm lucky I'm trained by Pascal Collins and Patty has a good relationship with Eddie and with Frank Smith. So he, we were training for a fight that was supposed to happen in Vegas on October and the same weekend. And it unfortunately fell through due to COVID. So Pascal had sent a message to Frank saying, listen, Niall Kennedy is ready if, if you need a fight or if you need a opponent. So that was it.
0: What what do you make of Alan Babich? We don't know too much about him. I mean, he he was a decent amateur, but we haven't seen much of him as a pro. What have you made of what you've seen so far?
1: Look, he's gone gone about his business in his own way. He's gone about it loud, all right? He he likes talking himself up. But look, he's he's doing everything I suppose he's doing he, he's a promoter's dream he's um, doing well he's stopping it he couldn't be he couldn't be subjective to his performances he's getting rid of everyone very quick but he hasn't fought a big man and I'm not a massive heavyweight but I'm a big man in comparison to what he's fought so but will see I listen I think he, he I don't know what he's doing. look he talks a massive amount but um. I think he thinks I'm turning up for a payday or something, but I'm actually looking at Alan Babbage as a way of getting two bigger paydays. He's a he's an opportunity for me to showcase in England and I he's he is what he is and loud mouth, <laughs> he, he uh, he's he's you couldn't argue what he's done. He's been very good and, and impressive and like I said, he's a promoter's dream, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm not going over there to make up numbers. I'm not going over there, uh, box on a big show. I'm going over there to sell myself and then um, let the English crowd and even the Irish crowd at home. A lot of people at home haven't saw me fight, so it's a fantastic chance for me to showcase what I can do. A fantastic chance for me to show. Like I. I'm not a fool. My last fight was a loss, and those cost me. Know why it was a loss and how it happened. Oh, a loss is a loss nonetheless, and it's on my record as an L. And this is a great opportunity on a massive stage to fix that. So.
0: Let's talk a bit about you, and there's a lot to talk about. I've done my research, and I can't believe you haven't been covered in even more depth than you have. You started boxing at seven. And people look at that and say, well, you didn't turn pro until your 30s. Why did you stay amateur for as long as you did?
1: Um, I chased the dream, to be honest with you. I, I, I really wanted to box in the Olympics um, as a kid growing up. and um, I, I was knocking on the door in Ireland. I won my first title title in 2007. And things started. to got scuppered then and then. Um, I probably fell off the track a little bit in relation to my own preparation for the event as well and stuff like that. So I played a lot of sports. I played hurling and played football. I tried to be good at lots, but not master any. So I probably I let myself go by the wayside for a long time. And then in about two thousand and fourteen, I made the connection with Pascal and we, were, I was up there sparring training for the Irish Elite Championships, and I got beaten in those by Dean Gardner, and on a on a tight decision. And I just said, "Listen, I might as well give this a shot." And I text Pascal; he was interested, in, and and that's it, more or less. I come pro when I was thirty. I think I made my debut <laughs> debut the week of my thirty first birthday, probably. I think so, and. Yeah, but these things happen. Look, age is only a number. If I can get into the ring healthy, I am free. I'll always be free. I'll always be ready. So um, it's just about, it was about me changing mindset and, and Pascal has worked a massive amount with me on that. And um, I needed to probably start believing in myself to think a bit more. And so life has peaks and drops and this has just been a very positive Positive move for me since 2015. Last year losing was unfortunate, but here in, in the great scheme of things, losing a fight not that bad. Like, you know, I have a beautiful, happy, healthy little boy at home, beautiful wife, and life is good. Like right, you know, so I'm I'm grabbing this. I'm really looking forward to this fight, and I can't wait.
0: You talked about um, some of the issues with dedication as an amateur, but I believe there was other issues going on uh, behind the scenes. You had uh, a battle with depression. I think that's been well documented. And I was hoping you might not mind discussing that because I think there's a lot of people out there that struggle with that, especially men. And we find it hard to open up about our feelings and stuff. And I I just wondered if you'd share some of your experience.
1: Yeah, um, it's probably atypical enough. Sorry, but my my started that probably it's probably I am bipolar, so um basically I was diagnosed with that when I was about twenty two years of age, but I I had a best friend I would class him as like my brother going up along, and we done everything together, and and he unfortunately took his life when I was nineteen. And I struggled, I struggled massively with that. Was, that. was that actually now thinking back on it? Was that a time when boxing was starting to take off? But this happened and it derailed everything. And I got I left boxing. I got myself suspended from Harlem football and soccer. I went off the rails a tiny bit. And um, yeah, and then I sort straight the of straightened the ship a bit in 2005. Got things back on, on the straight and narrow, and going to the police force was probably helpful. But I was still struggling inside, for want of a better word, and was very lucky. A family member from um, my sister, she'd be one of my best friends as well, and she saw something that wasn't adding up in her head, and she got me to my doctor. And my doctor would be a close family friend as well. And I was just very lucky that he had seen the dip, but he couldn't approach me about it. But the minute I came to him for help, he had everything set up. So, that's it. And It's a battle that I'll have for the rest of my life. It's not like there's there's always going to be poor days. There's always going to be ups and downs in life, as you know yourself, as everybody knows. But it just gives me... I suppose the, the easiest way of describing it is um a doctor said to me when he was describing bipolar disorder, it's when when you're bipolar, things are either very black or very white. And so things are either amazing or you know, there's no middle ground. And basically what my my um medication and stuff do for me and how I deal with my bipolar disorder lets uh, me see the grey, you know, like things aren't always amazing and things aren't always brutal, there is grey in between it, like, so it's like what the doctor says, there's black and there's white but there's a thousand shades of grey in between it, so I I just, had to, I just had to find something to help me find grey and I found it and look, life is good, I'm very, very lucky, very blessed. Um, I still, I have that chap's name tattooed on my back. Uh, he's his best friend still, unfortunately. He, I just, it, it's something that men don't talk about. Um, he was a high achiever. He was an unbelievable soccer player and stuff like that. And I was mediocre at soccer, but I done well at all sports as well. And, and You think when kids are good at sport, when young men are good at sport for one, you're sort of pushed into an adult bracket. Adult bracket practice nearly too quick and we were probably we were young men from the age of 14 15 when we should have been children mm-hmm. still you know and with that our probably our, our minds hadn't caught up to our emotions maybe
0: um just before we carry on can you just shuffle back a little bit because we're losing you it's making you look bored There's... when you're not <laughs> I, have, I have a hair yeah. yeah you're too young to be bald um, you mentioned getting into the police force, obviously, I don't know if people out there will know, but you're a, you're a guarder, you balance that alongside your boxing career. Just tell us how much of a challenge that can be at times.
1: Yeah, it can be a juggling act, but it takes, yeah, it takes more, it probably takes more effort from my wife and and, and from the little, like their sacrifice. I have to say that she's in the room, <laughs> but um, Hi, their oh. sacrifice. <laughs> they're sacrificing a massive amount for me to do this so it is yeah it is hard it's juggling but it's like anything in life if if you want to do it if it's worth doing you'll make a way and that's what we're doing and I'm just I'm very lucky that work have been supportive and Wheatlaw Garda station my bosses in Wheatlaw have been supportive and I'm lucky that I have good people around me in life, like, you know, like, God has given me good people around me that will look after me and try to do the best and help me to do the best for myself as well, so, I'm blessed, I'm just very really lucky.
0: Now, you mentioned Neve there, obviously, you've got a little boy, MJ, three years old, I believe?
1: Yeah, yeah, three.
0: And he's uh, he was 12 weeks premature, he proved to be more of a fighter than his dad, you might say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, am far, a far superior fighter than his dad. He's, uh, uh, he's brilliant. He's, that's. I had to wait to, to answer the call to you because I had to drop him to play school, but yeah, he's brilliant. He, I don't know. The minute you say his name makes me smile, to be honest, he's amazing.
0: How was that when um, he was obviously kept in hospital because he was premature for a, a couple of months and you were away fighting for a part of that period as well? Did you find that tough?
1: Yeah, I, you know, some, uh, it's crazy looking back on it. I don't know how i done it, but that was my best win and my best performance against Alexi Santos. That was, yeah. um, Alexis Santos was ranked 36th in the world at the time and was being lined up as an opponent for Andy Joshua, I believe it, in America. So it was a massive fight and um, MJ was born on the 8th of August and this fight was on the 17th of September, so it all coincided and I asked Neve, did she want me to pull out the fight, she said no that was better to have me focused on something, so it just gave me that little incentive to drive on and to do it for him, he was fighting a battle in hospital and he won his battle, I was lucky I won my battle and no, it was great. It's great memories. Like, you know, and I have them shorts upstairs for him. And, you know, the, the Alexis Santos fight was a massive fight to win. I I, I took that fight on... People talking about Alan Babbage jumping quick, but I took that fight. That was a 10-round fight in my seventh contest. So, um, it was a go time as well and a massive opponent. And Listen, I'm sure his team, uh, Dylan White, is been around boxing so long and Alan himself has been around boxing a long time that I'm sure they have made their decision based on what they're seeing him do doing training. And but well, I promise you, Pascal has made the decision for me based on what he's seen in training. So this is this is a fight that Mr. Babbage, believe me when I tell you, I am coming to win this fight. There's no point. I'm not coming over as an opponent.
0: Now it's clear you love where you're from. I've seen loads of interviews with you where you talk about coming from the Willow Park estate. You serve your community as a gardener as well. So what made you compete so often in the US rather than back in Ireland? Was it just lack of opportunity back home?
1: Yeah, unfortunately there was um things happened at home to start to put an end to, to professional shows in Ireland. Um, and then I was lucky, I was just very lucky that there was a market for an Irish heavyweight in Boston, and um, Kevin McBride was the last Irish heavyweight they had over there. And that link up with Murphy's Boxing and, and the dropkick Murphys ended up kind of to fly my career out that way. And I've made Boston my second home. And um, Murphy's Boxing still promote me; they have helped get me this fight as well. So very proud to I'm very proud to box under their banner. Very proud to represent Celtic Warriors, boy. I'm probably even more proud to represent Gory Boxing Club and the people of Willow Park and the people of Gory. And you know, it's we. I if I saw you out, that I bought. I bought a house hundred and fifty yards away from where I was brought up. So I didn't. Uh, I didn't fly the nest too far. You know, I am very proud of where I come from. And I love Gory. So.
0: And is it right you've sparred uh, Unified World Heavyweight Champion Anthony Joshua in the past?
1: Yeah, I, I was lucky to spend it after the Santos fight. Um, MJ was actually still in hospital but after the Santos fight I was brought over to spar with Anthony for a couple of... I had only two sparring days I'm over for his last week before his pull out fight, the first one that fell through. Oh, okay. So, I, yeah, yeah, so... They were very understanding though. I had to fly back and forth, so it was awkward. But um, I sparred him the first day; he was sparring Pulev and I sparred him the second. day, the, the, his last spar, and I had been changed to attack him so it, it was. So I was what a gentleman, a lovely fella, and a class acting and ordering.
0: How how did you find it?
1: Good, yeah, good. Like I said, I always. I, don't know. I always I put, I put Anthony and Tyson Fury at the top of the mountain and I always believed I was looking up a mountain until sparring him and realising that oh this isn't that far away I'm I'm very capable of doing this so probably yeah helped um, helped with my confidence massively and what like I think being around people like that and um, you know and to see how humble and how decent and it's like, you know, just the quality of human being he is like so. So you know, it's good. It's good to see that, regardless of what money he may come across. Like I'm sure, I'm sure they're not going to work in the police force. I know that. But he's well. He's well. He's well paid at this stage. Like, so, but they deserve it. And I've kept in contact with a lot of um, and Joshua's team. And great, they really are good people, very good people. So.
0: And now you're going up against his arch rivals' protege, if you like. So they're, they're, that's a little thing as well. You might get a few more messages in the build-up.
1: Yeah, I know they're good. They're good. Um, yeah, no, they're good people. Good people.
0: <laughs> and you mentioned the defeat, your only defeat as a pro against Devin Vargas last year. On the night, you gave a good account of yourself. It didn't go your way. You gave him all the credit in the world. But then it started to come out later on, not from you, that you'd suffered a back injury, um, actually, in the minutes before the fight began. Just tell us how that yeah. feels as a boxer when everything's gone fairly well in camp and then you're listening to the, ref- uh, the MC's introductions and suddenly you're getting spasms in your back.
1: Yeah that was look it's changed it's changed one or two things I won't be bending over touching my toes before fights anymore
0: but um, <laughs> yeah.
1: and oh look it's it look it's one of these things I can't change it and um, I Pascal says to me why didn't you tell me straight away for sure you're at that point when you're in the ring you're nearly thinking if I say something like this they're going to think I'm bottling it and that's not in my makeup at all so um Yeah, no, it was just, it was freaky, because you're fighting, That no disrespect to Devin Vargas, uh, a really good fighter, and I couldn't turn around after that fight, after being, look, and even at that when I tell you, and I'm not whinging now, but that stoppage was very, very mature as well, like there was both, in hindsight, uh, two fighters had died that month from injuries in the ring, and I know that referee, he's a lovely fella, he's refed a lot of my fights in Massachusetts, and I'm sure he didn't really want anything bad to happen to me, and he was afraid I was taking too much. But I actually felt Devin Vargas was blowing up a bit. So he wasn't hurting me, I was writing his shots, but the referee jumped in. Look, it is is what it is, no excuses, and he got the win. And then after I was, in an interview I was asked, had I anything to say? I was. I'm. I'm a man. I say. I'm not going to turn around and say, "Oh, I lost this fight because I hurt my back." So, um, no. I respect to Devin Vargas. He, he's a, a really good person, a really good man as well. And you know. great fella. Congratulations.
0: For people that haven't seen you fight before, and like you said, there's still people back home that may not have seen you on TV. What can they expect from you, and from the fight with Babich? What sort of fight do you expect?
1: Be fun, it should be fun. Um, he, Mayor, he, he, uh, he, he, he is what he is. He's going to be in front of me. I don't think I'm going to have to send a search team to look for him, so and um, he'll be in front of me for the whole fight and uh, for as long as it lasts. I, right. Mayor. He'll prove he'll prove things to himself. He'll have to go through trenches himself that night and he'll ask himself questions and he'll ask stuff. But I know I've answered a lot of the questions that he's already in doubt of and I've been hit by men nineteen stone, big men, proper men. Not no, I'm not saying he's not a proper man, he is a proper man, he's an athlete as well. Like but I don't I have not a fear for Malin Badge and um, you know, I, I have no reason to fear anything. He's he's uh, genuinely. I've never out with anyone. He's done fantastic and well done. He said his his savage persona has gotten everyone talking about him. And look, mere his savage persona could could skyrocket my career off the Richter scale as well. Like you know, so keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking, Mr. Babbage. <laughs> I'm happy. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. He'll come to fight. I'll be there. I won't be found wanting. I'm looking forward to the fight. And we'll be prepared very well. Yeah, it's exciting.
0: Where does Basil come from?
1: And my father. My father. Before any jobs, it's my father's name. So. Oh,
0: okay. I always wondered.
1: Yeah. No, no. It's my father, yeah. Um, it's my confirmation name, I think, now as well, but it's, it's my father's name. Yeah, for... My brother and my sister are called Basil as well, though. Like <laughs> <this trend.
0: laughs> It'd be a bit confusing at family dinners, yeah. Um, just before we let you go, just tell people out there how they can find you on social media, because I'm sure they'll having seen this want to know a lot more
1: about you. Yeah, um, oh, I'm not sure the name, but it's Nile it's it's Baz Kennedy on Twitter, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's right on Twitter, definitely.
1: Um, look, at social media. I'm in Egypt, but look at the fight, enjoy the fight. It's going to be <laughs> good. And like I said, I genuinely, wholeheartedly believe this is a massive platform for me, and I can't wait.
0: Great stuff. Well, I really appreciate your time. It's been fascinating to be honest and I'm really looking forward to the fight even more now from having spoken to you
1: you, thanks a take care mate and I'll speak to you soon bye bye